The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to 2023 here at the Autism Network. I'm Shannon Penrod and we're coming to you live. It's our first show of 2023. Today's date is Monday, January 9th. And yes, let's uh, address the elephant in the room. Yes, I cut my hair again and I did it myself. And I was going for Judy Dench and I said to Traven, I arrived at Mike Pence. And Mike Pence, it looks, I look like Mike Pence is trying to transition to a woman and not being successful. It'll grow back. Uh, so uh, it is what it is. And, um, and I do love having short hair. I, I, I wish for those of you who suffer from alopecia, I wish I could take it for you because I, I, I loved being bald. I was bald briefly and, um, and thought it was great. Uh, it, I, I would rock wigs and hats. Um, hair is wasted on me. What can I say? That has nothing to do with anything. I am so excited to be back with you. I had a lovely break. I hope that you guys did too and that you enjoyed some of the programming that we brought you, some of our oldies but goodies. But we're back and we're back with a vengeance and we have so much planned for you in 2023. I am so excited. So, and we're going to kick that off today. I'm here with you to do a parent-to-parent talk today. Let's, let's go over some of the basics, though. We're live right now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and about a dozen other sites that Traven will start to show you any minute now. Uh, we want you to know that the show is also, we're, we're, we're live right now, and we enjoy our live audience and our interaction. We look forward to you guys writing in questions, giving comments. That's really so exciting for us. That's the reason why we do it live, so that there can be a dialogue. But we also know that many of you are not available. Look, look at all the places where we are. Uh, we'll, we'll show that to you again in a second. But we, uh, we know that all of you aren't available at this time of day. And so, like everything, it's available to you online, you can go to YouTube and watch. We've got over 12 years of videos now for you to watch that are amazing. So many experts over the years, so many different things. But, uh, and it's all searchable. Um, so you can check out our YouTube channel, which is autism. It's youtube.com slash autism live, right? 
But I also want to encourage you to check out our new website because we're now part of the Autism Network and we have been for over a year. And so we want you to check out autismnetwork.com because uh, we have, you, if you want to look at anything that we've done in the last year, it's all there on Autism Network. You can look up other things too, but it, we really have focused on moving forward, right? Our building our library moving forward. So, uh, and then of course there's the podcast libraries. We're available any place that you get your podcasts for free. We're a free download for you. We're so thrilled to be able to do that for you and to continue to be able to doing that. You have to know that in the last 12 years, anytime that we, Parker, I, I heard that you were there. Parker says, I have to say thanks for the movie chat recommendation before I talk about schools with Shannon. Parker, I'm so glad that you were there. I heard that you were there, and that made my heart just so happy to hear that you were there. Of course, we're talking about the movie chat over at the Ed Asner Family Center. It's a virtual movie chat. I, I super love it. Uh, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you went. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So, uh, but Trayvon is showing you guys places uh, and reminding you to subscribe, like us on Facebook, all of those things. Because, you know, as we've struck out on our own in the last year and we've formed the Autism Network, we're so excited that we've been bringing you new programming and we hope to do even more of that in 2023. But we have to keep the lights on. And I, I, I started to say that we've had so many experts over the 12 years come in and say, oh, well, you should be charging your viewers. And we have staunchly said, no, that's not going to happen. So, because uh, we don't think that you guys should have to pay anything, but we're always looking for ways that we can uh, make money. But a lot of that is through views, you guys. When you view us, it helps us to be able to get partnerships and sponsorships. So when you like us, it lets other people know, and because we don't have a marketing budget uh, per se. And so please help us out, help us to stay on the air. We're not asking for you to send dollars. We're asking for you to like us to share what we do here, to write reviews on iTunes. That is always really helpful. Uh, an Autism Live conference somewhere would be great, Shannon, as the headliner would be great. Well, uh, I have some news coming up for you, but not, I'm not ready to rip the cord on that yet, Parker, but you know, great minds think alike. And so uh, just know that we have something in the hopper that uh, will, I think, fulfill what it is that you're talking about. Really excited. But in the meantime, you know, I'm speaking at a bunch of conferences coming up um, over the next couple of months. I shared one on Facebook the other day that I'm particularly like, what, what, what? We talk a lot here about the Autism Partnership Foundation and the fact that they give free RBT trainings. They also do a one-day conference always in April that um, they've been doing it live and virtually throughout starting in the pandemic. And in April, they are doing... I, I think the best of the best of the best conferences, because um, it's, it's one day. I don't like to go to conferences and be there for three days. I, I know a lot of people like that. I like to go home. Uh, I'm funny that way. But the headliner, the, the keynote speaker for this conference, I don't even know why, but I'm so intrigued to know why, is John Lithgow, the actor, John Lithgow. And I don't know what he has to do with autism, but I can't wait to find out. And I love him so that I am stupid excited about it. And I'm on the parent panel. There's all these different, there's different tracks. There's, there's a, a panel that's just about parents and, and parents who are concerned about doing mindful and proper good ABA. So I, you know, I want to be on that panel. But there's a whole bunch of other panels too. You should check it out. Autism Partnership. 
Um, I, right, John Lithgow is amazing, right, Parker? Um, I really liked him in Shrek and Third Rock. I, you know what I loved him in? I, I loved him in so many things, but one of the things I loved him in was, um, oh, and of course it was just on my mind, and, and then it just, uh, what's the book that got turned into a movie with Robin Williams? Garp, The World According to Garp. I love that book so much, and then, you know, sometimes when they make a, a movie from a book, it's so disappointing, and it wasn't. It was the I thought the movie was just as good as the book. They were different, but, you know, but he is one of the best things in the movie. Uh, Lisa says, good morning, happy 2023. P.S. You look, oh, thank you that I look beautiful. You're sweet. You need to adjust adjust your glasses, but that's okay. I appreciate it. Uh, Autism diagnosis in the fourth grade and monitored for gazing and visual stereotypy, which according to his new school first-year teacher, Para, not RBT, and special education teacher, case manager, his gazing and stereotypy was decreased 95% and in the special education classroom and the regular classroom, Um, which I find very suspect because at home, he still very so struggles with these things. How do I get him to give me more measurable data without coming across as accusatory that they are trying to, that they're going to try and decrease his services? Oh, that's such an interesting question. First of all, Let's talk a little bit about visual um, stereotypy and gazing, but then we're going to get into the topic real quick here um, because it goes hand in hand with how do you deal with things at school, right? So for those of you who don't know, visual stereotypy is uh, it's, it's a fixation that you have with what you're doing with your eyes. It's, it's a visual thing that you're doing. And um, for some kids, it might be that they, um, they look out of the corner of their eye. So they'll pick something up and they look at it out of the corner of their eye, right? Or that they like to, you know, focus on things up close or they like to, they'll take a spinner and put it right up against their, their face. I, I will tell you, Lisa, that one of the first things for me with visual stereotypy is that, especially if he's in fourth grade, now is a great time to take him to, um, and I always get the two terms mixed up, but it's a developmental ophthalmologist. I'm almost positive that that's right, because there's optometrist and there's ophthalmologist, but I'm almost positive it's a developmental ophthalmologist. And ask them to do a, a battery of tests, and you might have to you know, call your VSP or whatever your insurance is and make sure that you qualify, because you don't want to be paying through the nose for it. But a, a bunch of visual tests um, to look at Ocular motility, I believe, is the term that they use for um, what's going on. Because you want to make sure that there's no deficits, that part of the reason that we've learned is that the reason why they look at things out of the corner of their eye is that sometimes they don't, the muscles around the eye aren't stabilized. This is certainly what we found out with my son. And it wasn't until they did this test with him where they had, imagine that I had a second pen here. I've got glasses here. But they have these two sticks with balls on the end, and one is silver and one is gold. And they have them track the ball to see, and they watch how their eyes move. And and then the doctor called me in the room, and he said, let's watch what happens. And when my son looked at something from the corner of his eye, he could focus his eyes, and his eyes were still but when he was looking at it in the middle, his eyes literally would vibrate because his eye muscles weren't strong enough. And there's lots of different reasons why that might be and how it might go hand in hand with autism. But if you do, there, he gave him exercises to work on and he strengthened it and he, you know, like everything got so much better so much faster. 
So you always want to make sure that there's no medical reason for why things are happening. Sometimes we hear from, from kids that are um, looking up close later on when they're adults is that that's all they could see. And it's very hard to test vision for kids on the spectrum younger than age, you know, like eight, which is, I'm, I'm guessing, about how old your son is. So now is a great time to get him that appointment and, and bring him in. We see that there are some people who have double vision, and yet they can make the two, the two pictures come together in a certain field, so they might hold things here. Like, haven't you seen women at a certain age, like myself, do the trombone thing where we're trying to see things? And sometimes this is part of what's happening with visual stereotypy. So I just want you to rule that out, okay? But then to your question about how um, do you get them, question them, um, I would ask every year, in fact, every semester, um, I would ask for um, a, um, a consultation to have somebody come and observe. And they get real tootsie about it. But, it, you know, I really feel that you need to make it clear that you're working with the school, not against them. And that you have other uh, providers because, for instance, you have uh, an eye doctor, right? And hopefully you have somebody who's doing all kinds of other things with your child. And that there's no way to know what's happening in school unless you have an observation. Now, they will a lot of times tell you that... Um, you know, they can only observe for 20 minutes. Okay, well, you, there are ways you can get contentious about that because the truth of the matter is is that if, if they have observed your child for any reason, for any test coming up, for anything coming up, for his IP, your expert is entitled to have at least that much consultation as well. So, but 20 minutes often can do it, you know, and it might be that you have somebody who's taking not good data, or it might be that they have worked around his visual stereotypy, and it might be that some of his visual stereotypy happens in downtime, that it's how he relaxes. Uh, you know, have you ever had the thing where you're reading something so intensely and you're focused on it and you're fine, but then the minute you put the book away, you're like, oh, my eyes, you know, and you're rubbing your eyes. So it might be that they've found a pocket of his interest and they've found how to motivate him to work through whatever he's working through. Um, so it's possible. It's possible. And that home is his time to be like, oh, I need this feedback visually because it's going to help me to calm down. Um, but ask for a consultation. Ask for somebody to come in and, and don't have it be about that. Have it be about something else and say to them, your person, say, and look for the visual stereotypy to see are they, you know, are they lying or what. Um, eye doctor, yeah, Parker says eye doctor, get an eye doctor appointment, get a second opinion. Um, I think it's not even just a second opinion. I think it's important to know what's happening with the muscles whenever you're looking at visual stereotypy. Um, but I think we're on the same page, Parker. Uh, Lisa, let me know if that makes a certain amount of sense to you. So today we're doing a parent-to-parent -parent talk about getting the most out of school services and how can we work together. Because if you think about the number of hours that your kiddo is going to be in a school setting, in an education setting, it's really important that it be useful time, that it not be time that your child is parked, that it not be time that your child is unsafe, for heaven's sake. That's, you know, uh, at the top of the list. So uh, 
you know, it, I think when you can get things working with at the school setting, it's like, oh, the best, right? Um, and when when you don't have things working at the school setting, it's it's really the worst. So I, I'm always like, let's look at what the two worst case, case scenarios are and let's try to see, <laughs> see if we can't move the dial, right? Um, but I do wanna give a little bit of a disclaimer here right at the beginning. Um, did I not put the disclaimer um, thing in? Did I not save that? Uh, there was a disclaimer. Is it there, Traven? Do you see it? Did I pass it? I don't know where it is. Uh, but I, I want to make sure that we talk about the fact that I'm a parent and that you can um, get in all kinds of experts, lawyers, advocates, uh, so on and so forth to help you. And that it is a legal situation in the school setting. It absolutely is. So if you feel at any point that you need help and support, I hope that you will ask for help and support. This is a parent-to-parent talk. But let's start with the decision tree. And we're going to keep coming back to the decision tree. And hopefully you're going to find who you are on this decision tree. So my first question is, do you feel like your child is happy and safe in their current school setting? Is that... a is that a thing for you? Are they happy and safe in this setting? So really, I feel like happy and safe are pretty definitive things. So it's either a yes or a no, right? And if it's a yes, congratulations, we're going to move on to maximizing learning. But if it's a no, for me, everything stops there. Like if your child is not happy and safe in their school setting, something isn't right. And before we take on anything else, we got to address it. Now, happy and safe are two vastly different things, right? Safe is like bottom line. Your child has to be safe and you have to feel that your child is safe. And if you don't, it's time to stop everything. And I want to be very clear that, um, you know, there's a whole... It's a whole legal thing, and I can't advise you, and I'm not there, and I don't see what's happening, but I can only tell you, parent to parent, that if I felt that my child is safe, there is nothing I wouldn't do um, to make sure that my child was safe. And, and, and I feel like that is something that we should, we should all take into consideration. Uh, so if you feel like your child isn't safe, uh, it's, the first thing is that you need to call an emergency IEP. Now, it might be that you need to pull your child from school. Now, there are specific laws about this, and you can't just take your child out of school. If your child is out of school for more than a week, they're going to be calling you up and going, what's going on? Um, And if you intend to fully pull your child out of school, you need to give 10 days written notice to the school that that is your intention. That notice gives them time to figure out, do they want to change something, right? But you have to give it in writing. And a lot of people feel like, oh, well, my child has to go to school every day before that. And my, you know, legally, that's true. But my feeling is that uh, I'm just going to get myself in a whole lot of trouble here. But if I thought that my child wasn't safe, my child will get the sniffles and the cold. And I would be like, yes, I know that I have 10, I'm giving you 10 days written notice. My child isn't coming. But, you know, oddly enough, my child has a cold right now. Oh, my child has the flu. You know what I'm saying? I would never send my child someplace that I felt that they weren't safe. Um, that's me. I'm not advising you. I'm telling you about me, right? 
But you should, if you feel like your child isn't happy or safe, either one of them, even though they're vastly different, you should call an emergency IEP meeting to sit down and talk with the people about what's going on and give, give them an opportunity to understand that that's what's happening. Um, you have to start the discussion. You can also send them a letter my, and saying, you know, my child is not happy and safe, and so in 10 days' time I'm pulling them out. You can do that, but you got to ask for an emergency IEP meeting. And then I always advise writing a letter that details your concerns. Get it? Like, here's the great thing about a letter. You know how that, you have that thing where you say something and you go, oh, why didn't I think to say that? right? And emotions run high at these kinds of things. So take however many days you have to do, call friends, read it to them, go over it a million times, edit, put, you know, hone it down. There is this um, problem that we have as parents where we have a lot we want to say. And we want to talk about what happened three years ago on a Tuesday when that teacher was mean to the child. And, And we lose people sometimes because we have too much to say. So it's great to hone that message, get it exactly as you want it, and have it in a letter. And then my um, thing is, if you can't get the meeting scheduled quickly, send the letter. But if you can get the meeting, ask, say, I'd like to read this letter out loud. And I always advise bringing a tape recorder. Most of us have a phone now, and you can tape record conversations on that, and you put it in writing when you ask for the emergency IEP meeting and say, and I'm bringing a tape recorder. The school district will say, well, then we have a right to record as well. Fabulous, wonderful, couldn't be happier. Then there will be two records of what I'm about to read into the record, right? So I love having a strong letter that um, says everything that you want to say. You can detail your points, right? And then you know, even if you are starting to cry or get mad or shut down, that you've got the letter and you can read it and the issues are going to get addressed, right? So do record the meeting and record any other communication that you have with them. Uh, that if you ask for the emergency IEP meeting and you run into the teacher that day and the teacher says, oh, I saw that you wanted to have the meeting. I'm so glad because, you know, um, I'm not happy with uh, how we're dealing with the math situation, right? Then, uh, you know, I've been told by many different lawyers the best thing to do when you're in this phase is that if anybody has any conversation with you, the very next thing you do, you go home, go to your car, get out your phone, and email them back and say, as per our conversation just now, when you said that you were unhappy with the math situation, I hope that we can discuss this. You don't have to CC the world, but what you're doing is creating a written record of the communication. And you're letting them know, I mean business. I mean business here. And you should mean business when we're talking about your child's safety and well-being, right? And if you feel at any point that it's overwhelming to you, which probably will be minute one, feel free to get a lawyer or an advocate. Because I got to tell you, if you don't want to be in a situation where you're saying later on, why didn't I? Now, sometimes lawyers will take pro bono cases and it doesn't cost you anything. I, I want to be honest with you that that's not often, but um, most lawyers will give you a free half hour consultation. Do that. If nothing else, do that. It might mean some paperwork that you have to fill out for them, but fill it out. Do the half hour consultation. It is money well spent if you end up getting a lawyer or an advocate because 
it takes the pressure off of you. And, and you need to be dealing with other things. Let's be real about this, right? But, but please know that it's not going to go away. In fact, I think that's what I have on, on the next uh, slide here is that, I, boy, I, I, the layout that I did for this just is terrible. Uh, <laughs> my apologies. I'm the one who did this slide. Uh, but don't listen to people who say it will fix itself. Like there's a whole lot of people, even somewhere in your gut, that you might be saying that to yourself, like, well, you know, maybe, maybe it'll write itself. I, I just don't think that's true. And I don't think you should listen to that voice. And I think that that is the way of frustration and guilt and shame later on. I certainly did this uh, one year where I was like, well, it's going to get better. And I tried to take little steps to make it better when everybody was telling me you should drop this teacher. And it's the biggest regret I have. Uh, quite frankly, of the school setting, that I let my son stay in a classroom with a teacher that I continued to work with, even though my gut said, and everybody around me was saying, well, there were some people who were saying, oh, it'll, it'll get better. It didn't. Uh, listen, absolutely listen to all the things that your child tells you, much of it will be nonverbal. Um, I, I love, I was at a conference last uh, fall, and there was a, a speaker who is a, uh, a board-certified behavior analyst, but she's also someone who's on the spectrum. And she said uh, at one point, she said, listen, I believe that we all vote with our, our hands and our feet. And that um, even nonverbal, it just really struck me and has been something I've repeated often because I think it's important that we, I always say, listen with all of your senses to what the child is saying. But if your child is inventing reasons why they can't go to school in the morning, I know that we all go, oh, well, that's just typical and whatever. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, and I'm going to say to you personally that I remember being in fourth grade and I, um, we had a teacher that was not a nice man. And um, we had just watched Bye Bye Birdie. And there, in Bye Bye Birdie, there's the song, We Hate You, um, Birdie, Oh Yes We Do. And the girls sing, We Love You, Birdie, Oh Yes We Do. So in my home, my with my brother and my sister, we made up a song about the teacher, um, who I'm just going to say was the art teacher. And I loved art. I loved art. It was like my favorite class, but the teacher was not a nice man. And so we made up the song about him and put his name into it. We laughed. We thought it was really funny. I was in fourth grade. And then my brother got into trouble in his class and told him. And that, and that began the teacher harassing me. I was a fourth grader and the teacher harassed me so badly that one time he grabbed a hold of my sweater and, and pulled it out of shape because he was harassing me so much. And I, before that, I was an A student, and I never, ever missed class. And suddenly, all of a sudden, I never wanted to go to school. I cried all the time. I had all these excuses. Now, I was a completely verbal child. And so my mother expected that if there was something going on that I would tell her. I didn't because, you know, there's all these, this fear and, and all of this, right? So... But eventually, my mother started to put two and two together and come up with 14, right? And she was like, she finally said to me, you know, what's going on? And it, it's something that I always like to remember with our kids because 
People will tell you things by changes in their behavior. They don't have to verbally tell you that something is going on. And I love, um, we've had uh, Richard Strip on the show before. He wrote the book, Mommy, I Wish I Could Tell You What Happened to Me at School. And um, in it, he talks about kids who hide their shoes and throw their shoes away before going to school and how important it is to listen to that behavior. If your child is having full-on meltdowns before going to school, do not listen to people who go, oh, it's just separation anxiety. It's just, it's trauma. It's trauma. And, and school should be reinforcing enough that kids want to go. And if your child doesn't want to go, it doesn't mean that something huge and horrible is happening, right? But it does mean that something is going on that isn't right, and it's important to investigate that. I have no idea what the third one says because my glasses aren't good enough. Traven, can you full screen it for me? I don't remember what I wrote. Um, hello, Ms. Hellraiser. So thrilled that you're there. There, uh, Traven, can you full screen that for me? I can't read it. Um, I'm going to go on to, oh, there we go. Uh, if after the meeting with the school, if you feel that they are not listening to your concerns, be willing to go to another school. Okay, everybody take a breath. School is about an investment in your child. And when, you, when, when people invest in your child, you invest back in them. If you feel at the meeting that they're trying and that they're trying to invest in your child, invest back in them. If you feel that they are concerned about everything but your child, I know it's really hard what I'm going to say, but sometimes it's easier to go to another school and find a place where they want to work with your child. It's a really dicey line, and sometimes you're like, I don't have the ability to do that, Shannon. And I get that. But um, I want you to open your heart to the possibilities of the fact that there is a school setting for your child where they are loved and cherished and educated. And your child has a legal right to that. And you can stay and fight at the school that you're at, but you can legally tell people that they have to do something. But if they are not going to love and cherish your child and want to educate your child, I'm going to tell you right now it's an uphill battle. And sometimes it's just easier to find another setting. It just is. And I'm also going to tell you that sometimes schools are complete buttheads to our kids and to our families so that they will find another school. And yes, there is a part of me that says, stay and fight with them and fight, 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 fight. But you know what? Is that the question I go back to all the time? Is that what's best for you? Is that what's best for your child? And, and I feel like sometimes it isn't, and only you can know. And, and I've seen parents who've gone, okay, this school is so messed up, and I know it's messed up, and I know I could win, but I'm not fighting a land war in Asia. Asia. I want to go. I, I'm, I've got another plan where I, I just go to the school that's 10 minutes down the street and where they want my child, and it can be so much better. Hey, Liliana, so glad to see you. Parker says, for me, it was eighth grade. It was not, I was not getting proper services. I moved states that year and had a one-on-one in a mainstream class. They took away my one-on-one and was independent in math and English. I had <clears throat> two FS that six weeks due to that. I don't know what an FS is. Um, luckily, my case manager at the time knew what happened and helped me and got me observed and they found out what I needed, as a, that I needed a second teacher in the room. And, you know, sometimes you'll miss a cue Um, I'm sure that my mother beat herself up and said, why did I not notice that my child's behavior changed and that something was going on? Um, Oh, two F grades, I see. Thank you, Parker. 
Um, but yes, a change in grades, <coughs> excuse me, a change in behavior. If you see, you know, the child like actively trying to do things so that they're not going to school or constantly being sick, those are all signs that something may, may, may be going on. Uh, okay, uh, remember that the law is on your side, but it might be a long fight. And ask yourself, is this the fight that I want to have? Because there's lots of fights out there. And there are schools where you don't have to fight. Uh, do what is best for your family and ask for help whenever you need it. Um, and Liliana says, I agree. Some schools are just not the proper setting for your child. And, and, and sometimes it's a person who is <clears throat> leading. My son was in a grade school that I just loved, 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 and we invested, 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 and then our principal left and a new principal came in. And you guys, I tried to work with her for a New York minute, and then I went, you know what? Life is too short. I can't do this. I can't do this with you. You are not listening. And I said, we're out of here. Um, and, you know, I think back on that all the time, and people say, oh, you should have stayed. I didn't have it in me anymore to fight with her. And she was hardline we're going to do it my way, and my kid got the short shrift like four times, and I went, nope, peace out. I'm, out. I'm all the way out. Uh, Lisa has written back in about the pediatric ophthalmologist. Totally makes sense, and he is followed by a pediatric ophthalmologist. Uh, it seems to be viewed as more of a behavior diagnosis versus a medical diagnosis, but I will seek out developmental ophthalmologists too. Thank you. Um, he does tend to exhibit the stereotypy a lot more when happy and excited, but the gazing especially is pretty consistent and frequent, even if the duration may be short. It's often. I just don't think the data he is IEP'd for is accurately being measured. A 95% decrease on both these behaviors from his other schools seems suspect to me. It does to me too. Uh, like, what a miracle, with no different interventions other than the change in school. These things that have, uh, well, you know, data is only as good as the person taking it. And what one person considers visual stereotypy, another person may not. Um, so I think you got to get eyeballs in there. And we're going to talk about lots of different ways that you get eyeballs in there. Um, I'm trying to see where I left off. Uh, okay. Uh, these things that have inhibited him in his entire primary education has magically decreased, almost being non-existent. Seems like they would pilot a program off of what they've done instead of just sending it home in an IEP progress report. And without these interfering behaviors that inhibit his access to education, they won't need to provide, ah, well, here it is, a one-on-one -on -one for the day, which I privately know is a struggle and not always followed because of staffing issues, even though it's in his IEP. Okay. His one-to-one -one used to be an RBT, but his school can only provide a para that has gone through an RBT training but not certified, not saying they aren't qualified to take data, but they may not understand what their lack of reporting may mean. His services are diminished, and they don't let these two paras attend our meetings because of staffing shortage. Yeah, that's typical. I just got a letter with their input of how great my kid is. Yeah, that's typical too. He is a wonderfully, extremely quiet, smiley kiddo that often gets left by the wayside. Okay, so I got a different beat on this now, and I want to say to you um, that... And I see the other thing that you wrote, how do I combat the staff financial budget consideration issue? It seems to be everywhere and at all the schools. Let's remember something, that your child is entitled to a free appropriate public education and that that is not tied to a dollar sign. 
at all. They're not allowed to bring up budgetary things, and they're not allowed to bring up staffing things. And the only thing that you can say to them when they do that is say, you're, in, you're not in compliance with your IEP. And do not enter conversations with them with, uh, about their staffing. You can say to them, that is not my issue. I feel bad for you. I understand you're having problems, but it is not my issue. There, we have a legal document. Really don't even say all that. Just say, I, but you're not in compliance. Um, and it may be time to lawyer up. Here's the problem. There is not, there is never in the history of time since uh, IDEA was founded has it been fully staffed. And we have been promised, and Joe Biden promised us that he was going to fully fund, uh, and, and you know, there's this issue of a pandemic, but come on, Joe, you promised us. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for it, and things may change at some point, but we all need to be writing letters. Joe, if you're listening, you made a promise. I'm expecting you. Um, but, uh, no, it's, Parker, it's never been fully funded by either side of the aisle. This is not a, you know, a, a party thing. This is, it has never been fully funded because we don't prioritize education. And we certainly don't prioritize those who learn differently. Uh, you know, reality thing here. But so if you say you're, you're not in compliance, then they will know that you understand the legal ramifications and you can get comp ed. And, and you need to find a way that you can um, prove that they have not always had the one-on-one the -on -one who was supposed to be there. Um, and I, I would be willing to bet, Lisa, that there are other things in the IEP that he needs the one-on-one -on -one aid for other than the stereotypy. But I actually think this is in your favor. Because if you can prove that he hasn't always had the para there or that the para isn't taking the data properly, then you can say, here is an example of how he is, you are out of compliance, you have not had this, and therefore you owe me compensatory education, which means that they got to write you a check for him to go get other things. And believe me, if they do that once, then they're going to make sure that they get a pair of who knows which way is up, right? Because it costs them. Um, uh, which is why the appropriate data collection is so important for my son. Yes, absolutely. And I think you got to make that argument with them, but the very first thing I would do is exactly what I outlined before. you got to get eyeballs of a third party in there. Um, and we're going to get you in the classroom too. That's coming up in just a second. got to motor a little bit on this because I cannot be late today. Okay, so um, now we've talked about mostly about safety, but also about your child being happy. And, you know, if your child is not happy at school, I think that's a discussion you've got to have with the teacher, too. There's got to be more reinforcers, and you can make reinforcers that are appropriate for your child, whatever age they are. I've talked about when my son was in kindergarten, we had mommy money and daddy dollars, and they were literal bills that we printed with our pictures on them and that said, this is not real tender. And if he did good at school, he got a, a, a mommy money or a daddy dollar, which when he got 47 of them, I think it was, he got to go to directly to Disneyland. Um, so there are ways that you can make school, school more reinforcing. But at that emergency IEP meeting, you want to talk to them about how can they make it more reinforcing for your child. Okay, but if you had said that, yes, you feel like your child is happy enough and safe at school, then we were going to move on to maximizing learning. So the next question is, do you feel like your child is learning and growing? And we hope that the answer is yes, right? And if it is, congratulations. Uh, let's move on to social skills. 
I, if the answer is no, if you don't feel like your child is learning, it is time to call for, look at that, same set of steps here, call for an emergency IEP meeting. Um, and you're going to write a letter detailing what your concerns are about what they're learning. And then you're going to record the, uh, the meeting and you're going to get a lawyer and advocate. Isn't it interesting that it's the same set of steps if you feel like it's not going right? Although within those steps, when you get to the meeting, you're going to ask for other things. I think you've got to be really like, I want you to think about what is it that you would like for your child to be learning that you don't think your child is learning. And maybe in the prep to lead up to this, ask for examples of your child's work to see what it is that they're doing. You should be asking for that on a regular basis anyway. Um, a lot of times your child will bring things home, and I always kept everything in a file folder, every piece of paper that they brought home so that I had multiple examples of their work. And sometimes if you look at the work, you can kind of see like where things aren't going well. Um, so, uh, you know, but I, but I think if you go in and just say, I feel like my child isn't learning, it's too open-ended, right? I think you've got to be very specific about what is it that your child isn't learning. If you don't know what your child should be learning, there's a lot of different ways that you can go at this. You can, you know, talk to somebody that you know in your life that's a teacher. You can look up online and see what the standards are for the grade that your child is in. You can look at other grades to see like what level your child is at and how you want to get from here to there. Um, I liked the skills program because I could, my, I had already put in all the information about my child and then it told me lessons that were appropriate for my child. And, and when I, then I could look at all the lessons and go, oh, he's not learning that in school. I could pick on it and I could push a button and it told me what the IEP language was for it, which was just super duper easy. Um, but, you know, but not everybody has skills. Some people go to an educational advocate and they do a whole bunch of testing, uh, which can run you into the thousands of dollars. And, you know, they'll say to you, here's what your child should be learning. I didn't have the money for that. Um, so in the beginning, before there was skills, when I couldn't afford an educational advocate, I had been a teacher, which helped me, and I knew a lot of teachers. And I just looked up the standards online and went, okay, well, why isn't he learning that? And he should be learning that. And I say go for the big things, you know, um, reading, writing, socializing. If your child can read, if your child can get to the point where they can read at a fourth grade level, then so much of life is going to be easier. Uh, but reading comprehension is a big deal, right? So know what you want, but go into that IEP meeting and ask for it. Uh, ask yourself before you go in, what's impeding the education? Is it behavior? Because if it's behavior, we want to look at this a little bit differently, right? Ask for an aid, ask for support, ask for a BIP and for training for the staff. The BIP is the behavior intervention plan if that is one of the things that's impeding them learning. If it is something like, for instance, visual stereotypy that's preventing your child from learning, then you're going to go down that road and you're going to see, okay, how can we improve visual stereotypy? I also wanted to say, too, and I meant to say earlier, Lisa, that um, there are some different uh, biomedical interventions that are supposed to be good for visual stereotypy. I'm going to say a grain of salt here that a lot of people find that fish oil um, 
can be very beneficial for kids who have uh, visual stereotypy. But the big asterisk here is that if it is the medical issue that I was talking about earlier with the developmental ophthalmologist, then you will see that it, it, it makes it worse, which was the case for my son. We started him on some vitamin A and some fish oil, and oh my gosh, his stereotypy went whoop, through the roof. Um, so be careful with that, right? Um, but again, if after meeting with the school, if you feel like they're not listening to your concerns about your child getting an education, be willing to go to another school. Your child does have a legal right to that free, appropriate public education. And if you find people who are like, well, we've always done it this way, I felt like I could work with that because that's wrong. <laughs> this is a free, appropriate public education, not a free what we've been doing all the time education. And I felt like that was something I could fight with them and win, and I was right most of the time, right? Um, but if you find somebody who's got their, who's just fully entrenched in the idea that they're right and they're not going to do it differently, don't waste all of your kid's time because it'll take you years to get it sorted out and your kid loses out in the meantime. Remember that the law is on your side, but it might be a long fight. Don't be afraid to advocate for your child and ask for help. I especially want to draw your attention to the second one. Ask for an aid, supports, and a BIP and training for the staff. Everybody gets squeamy about the aid. We did one of these parent-to-parent -parent talks last fall about how to get the aid, and I am so pleased that some of you took that advice and got AIDS. Like, I love that you guys have written to me and you're like, oh my gosh, we got a one-on-one. -on -one. We did what you said and we got a one-on-one -on -one aid. It makes me so happy. Um, if you're not there and you're worried about your aid or Lisa, you're afraid they're going to take the aid away, I encourage you to go back and watch that show because um, I think that there's some good stuff there about your child has the right to an aid and, they, and their budget doesn't matter. If it's in your child's IEP and, and if it's already there, don't let them take it away. I Call me. We'll work out reasons why they should not take it away. Uh, hi, Michelle. Glad that you could join us. Okay, moving on because we've got a lot to cover. Uh, okay, so if you've got the learning happening, then a lot of you will write in and say that your child is, doesn't have a social life and that they're not having friends at school. So we're going to move on to the socialization piece. So does your child have friends at school? And if the answer, did I not put them, what did I do with this PowerPoint? It's like, I, you know, um, I don't know where that yes, no thing is. Um, did I skip it? Anyway, uh, having a friend is an essential to school, is essential to school success. It absolutely is. And if you doubt that, look at the studies that show that kids who have friends are like off the charts, less likely to be bullied. They're more likely to attend school. They're more likely to find school reinforcing in and of itself. They're more likely to go. So friendship is absolutely something that we should prioritize and we should make people uh, understand that in an IEP process. So ask for an aid or supports during recess. This is something that everybody goes, no, that's the period of time that my child doesn't have an aid. But you can go in and advocate. There are lots of ways around that. You just say to them, you know, I would always be a smart aleck and say, oh, I'll ask him not to have autism during lunch. You know, but the better way to do is to go in and talk about what it says in IDEA, which says that your child is to receive services in their free appropriate public education to help them learn to lead a successful life. And socialization is a part of that. So um, absolutely uh, 
ask for and fight for aid or supports during recess. Their IEP should, extends to those periods of time. And on the bus as well or whatever, whenever they're there, they sh if they have an aid or support, ask, and they're going to tell you they can't afford it, and you can say, this is not my issue. My issue is that it's here in the IEP. Are you arguing that he doesn't need it during those times? Where is your data? And if they're making up data, then you're going to catch them in that. Uh, so, because in order to take data, they got to have a support person there to take data, right? And if they don't, where's the data? There can't be. You don't have anybody supporting him then. Thank you. Uh, reward your child, staff, and potential friends for attempts at socialization. So, if anyone, a teacher, uh, somebody who's on yard duty, or the kid who is, you, you know, hanging out with your child, make sure that you praise and you know, small gifts, and we're going to talk about writing letters, a recommendation, whatever is reinforcing to them. Uh, I also say that make your house a fun destination. Don't be afraid to ask other parents for help and be willing to keep trying. So if you feel that, if, if your answer to this was no, um, then one of the things, I do think you need to call the emergency IEP, you need to write the letter, saying, you know, here are my concerns. Uh, if they're really not listening to you, I don't know that I would leave the school over it. I think on this one I would force them to work with you on it. Um, but you can always ask for help and support. But I do think that it's important to also tackle this at home. That my suggestion is to pick the one kid from the classroom. I always pick the bossy gut girl because she doesn't get invited to other people's houses. And they will kind of boss your kid around, but they're, they're a good starter kid to be a friend because they need friends. And they will be bossy with other kids and say, don't pick on him or her, right? So you invite that kiddo to a play date. And when you invite that kiddo to a play date, you don't have it be too long, have it be super fun for them, praise that kid to their parents because that bossy gut kid doesn't ever get praised by other parents to their parent. That parent will now love you and that kiddo will look out for your kiddo. Um, and that is the way you start making inroads for friends. If, if that goes south and, and the kiddo is not nice to your kiddo, that you don't invite them back, right? But you build... I will tell you, it takes a little time, but it gets around that, oh, you know, that house, your kid is safe when you when they go there and your kid will have a good time. Parents will be asking for play dates with your kiddo because everybody likes, likes a break from their kids. So you're going to have to work it a little bit, but if you do it low and slow and small um, and make it fun for your kiddo, it will quickly become reinforcing for you. And you can do this at any age. Um, and we, we changed it all the time with our kiddo. We, we had kids that we took with us and we went to museums. Um, when my son was in junior high, we did Friday afternoons where he could invite, eventually we built up to more friends because once you get one friend, then you try to have two friends and interact with two friends because that's a very interesting dynamic. And then eventually we got to the point where he would have four friends over on Friday afternoons just to play video games. And they would start to live stream for their friends, and I had popcorn, and, you know, I would get in and out for them, and which here in California is a big reinforcer, right? I made it a good time, and people started being like, can my kid come to your Friday afternoon thing? Because we started putting a thing on it. You could only come to Friday afternoons at our house if your grades were all Bs or above. And parents were like, how can we have our kid be in your group? 
Um, you know, and that's how you build friends. It's really, really good. Um, my son has severe autism and I fear due to me, uh, I, I see, uh, well, I, I will tell you what, it, I see what your fears are. Um, and, and I, I want to send you a hug, uh, manliest, uh, and, and say to you that, um, our children are our children and that there's much progress to be had. So don't be focused on the past. Don't be blaming yourself. Just how, think about how can you support your child today. Uh, Liliana says, I have children that have to be moved to another school and I have seen major improvements socially and educationally. In some cases, my children are more verbal. I get teary-eyed. And I just want to say, Liliana, thank you for speaking up and reminding everybody listening that it feels devastating when you have to move to a school, but maybe, maybe it's the best thing in the world. And letting go, I mean, there's a whole lot of things in life that you can't change, right? But saying, I'm, this school doesn't have what my child needs, and so I'm going to go find it. Somewhere. Find the other place first. Don't jump, don't leap without knowing where you're going. But there are places, there are good places for our kids. Uh, so keep looking for them. Okay, so moving on to the next one, the decision tree. Do you have a, uh, so if you had the social piece, I don't know where that one slide went, but if you have uh, the social piece under control, then the next thing is to work on building support with the team. But I got to tell you, you can work on this no matter where you are in the decision tree. Um, you want a good relationship with your child staff. So how do we do this? If you already have this, congratulations, let's keep going. But if you don't have it, it's time to volunteer at your child's school. So listen to this. You're going to work this in a couple of different ways, right? You, you reach out to the school to say, can we have somebody come and observe, right? And you're going to go through that whole, you know, hoo-ha about whatever that is. Uh, and try to get them in the door. But the, in the meantime, you're going to go to your child's teacher and say, I'm looking to volunteer. When can I come and volunteer? Now, you might get fatutzed about this because they might have you volunteer in the copy room where you don't have eyes on the situation. That's okay. Go and work in the copy room because you're on a fact-finding mission from minute to end at this school. You're finding out who works, who are the people, like, and who's in the know, and you will hear stuff while you're in the copy room. And take note of it all because it's going to help you every which way, right? But eventually, if you are good, because a lot of teachers go, oh, yeah, they, they just want to come and observe what's happening in the classroom. So you kind of have to build trust with them. So go do the copy room. Eventually, you'll be invited. Ask to, if your kid is in grade school, ask if you can co-room mother or be the room mother. I know it's hard. You have so much on your plate. But sometimes it's essential to do that to be able to know what's going on in the classroom. I volunteered as much as our finances would allow us to do. I was in classrooms all the time. I was in the copy room. I got to know people. And then eventually, I, because I do think it's important that you volunteer in a way that you bring something to the school. And so I volunteered. I did as much as I could do. And then I said, hey, I need to up my game here a little bit. And I'm not somebody who can run a bake sale. Don't put me in charge of the bake sale. It's going to be a nightmare, right? But I can direct your school play. And, and they were like, what? <laughs> you can? I have a master's degree in theater. I taught college theater. I was like, yes, I can direct your school play. I wrote them a play and then directed it for years. 
and and I didn't do it with my son's classroom. I did it. They they had it was with the fourth graders every year. So I did it every year with the fourth graders. It was the Woman in History Theater Project, and I would come in and be there for like a month. Oh, that paid off more than any lawyer. I'm sorry, I love lawyers, but more than any lawyer, more than any advocate, because I got to know absolutely everybody on campus. I got to know all the kids on campus. When my son went to junior high and I was so worried, there there were all these kids that were like, don't worry, Mrs. P, we got him, because they were my kids from the theater project. Now, theater may not be your thing. What is your thing? Find what it is and go and volunteer at that school, and then suddenly your working relationship with everyone there will be vastly different. You will get in the classroom. You will see what's going on. You will have fodder at the IEP meeting. But if you're doing good volunteering, they won't shun you from the classroom. They will start giving you what is right. Um, I also always advocate writing letters of recommendation for teachers and staff that are excellent. I try to do this at Christmas time. You know, you're always looking for a gift to give people. Um, I'm just watching the time. I gotta hurry. Um, but I encourage you give them at, at the holiday time. Write letters for anybody that's doing a good job. Guess what? That gets around, and it's important for those teachers to be acknowledged. And people start going, "Well, I want to be somebody who gets a letter," and they will start living up to the expectation that you have for people. I've seen it work. Um, and then also it's going to help you when you get teachers for next year. You're going to get the right people. Thank people, not just in letters, but in the moment for what they're doing when they're doing a good job. Everyone likes to be thanked. Everyone likes to be appreciated. Make sure, I say this with customer service too, I'm a real nut about good customer service, and I will be the first person to say this is not right when it's bad customer service, but I will also be the first person who says this is the best customer service, let me call the number here and tell them, because I feel that that's equally important, and I was that way at school, and it helped me in the IEP room, it helped my child socially, it helped everything. But think of ways that you can help your child or your child's classroom. Um, uh, Liliana says, when my, child, when my children are having deficits in socialization, I request for more staff involvement and goals and get it in writing in the IEP and have the a, uh, ABA involved in the IEP meetings. Liliana, that's brilliant, absolutely. Um, you can ask for the socialization goals. Okay, I, got, I think I got one more thing on the decision tree. Oh, <clears throat> I want to say this because this is important. Be on the side of education. Remember that most teachers want to teach. Remember that most teachers want to learn. They, a good teacher, when you give them information about your child, they love that. Reward teachers for being good teachers. Always, always. That's so important. Ask how you can help contribute. Find a reason to be on campus and don't get caught up in the politics of school. I will tell you, once you're on school, you're going to find out it's a very political place and that there's, you know, this person's jockeying for this. Do not get involved in that. It's not good for your child. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Now, if you've got everything else under control, the next thing is to move on and get them set up for success for the next year and the coming years. Don't get overwhelmed. And if you've already started doing this, congratulations, you deserve a vacation, Right. But if you haven't already, start courting teachers in future grades. 
You can do this by volunteering and asking questions and getting to know those teachers and talking about your kid with them, right? Uh, visit other classrooms at open house events. Don't just go to, go to your child's class, reward the teacher at that, reward your child at that, and then say, hey, let's go look at the next grade. And sometimes even tour around and see what's happening in other grades because you're going to get to know who those teachers are. And you will know when you go in and say, hi, I'm not in your grade, but, you know, my son is so-and-so, you will know, everybody on campus knows who your kid is, right? Absolutely everybody knows, right? And especially the people in the next grade already know your kid, right? And you will know because they'll go, oh, I love him and I want him to be in my classroom. And then you know, oh, this person's on the list for maybes. But you will be other people going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, very nice. And then you know, mm-hmm they're not as interested, right? So this is how you court other teachers. Start, and then wherever you are, start touring schools that are above you. It's never too early to start looking at middle schools, junior highs, and high schools. I found my son's high school when he was in second grade, and I kept it in the back of my head, and I kept looking for other things. Uh-oh, what's AT&T doing? Uh, did we lose internet? Are we still live? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but there we are. Um, but, and we got to go, I'm past time, but I want to say to you guys, don't get to the point where you're sleepless about looking in the future, but do get to the point where you're daydreaming about it and thinking, what would I like for my child for middle school, for junior high, for high school, and start looking to see where it is so that it's not a big surprise when you get there. Okay. Um, I, I hope that you guys will work with your schools to have a, a happy and productive but safe first year at school. I got to go, but tomorrow we're back live with Dr. Grampy Shea. And ooh, we've got great shows for you all this week. We're having Lisa Ackerman on on Wednesday. And then we have Let's Talk All the Things with Rachel Bird on Thursday. So super wonderful. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.